0: Amen. Ladies, thank you. And we pushed the wrong button. (laughs) Brother Chris, give us the after. There we go. There, we're back. All right. I don't know what did that, but something did. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 in your Bibles this morning a familiar passage we're gonna go back and get some of the context there's a lot of verses in the bible that we hear that we know sometimes those of us who've been saved for a while but we kind of lose the context sometimes of those verses and uh and they're usually even greater uh, truths there when we put them into their context and then apply them to our lives today and by the way the purpose of the scripture is to be applied to our lives today amen well, I'll tell you what, I, I try as a pastor, don't know that I'm always successful, but my goal <clears throat> is to, uh, when I preach, to give you truth that will help you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <clears throat> it's not just to come in and, and try to give some flowery speech that uh, everybody walks out and says, well, it was nice, I don't have a, I don't have a clue what he said, but it, it sounded kind of nice. But um, So that's not the purpose of Preaching, but let me, let's take a look here, Lamentations chapter 3. And by the way, it follows the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, we'll was in a moment written by the prophet Jeremiah. But look what he says here in verse 22. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy mercy. Faithfulness. And let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. I pray now that you would meet with us. I pray your Holy Spirit would give us the truth, the help, the encouragement that we need. I pray if there's anybody here that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I pray that for those who are saved, that you would help us this morning in the ways that we need help and encouragement and even conviction, Lord, and we'll thank you for it, for we ask in your name. Amen. The book of Lamentations, as I just mentioned, was written by the prophet Jeremiah. It's only five chapters. It's a relatively short book in the Old Testament, particularly compared to Jeremiah, which was 52 chapters, is 52 chapters long. But The reason it is named Lamentations, you think about Lamentations, you think about Lamenting, he is literally, the prophet Jeremiah, is literally lamenting the fall of the nation of Israel, particularly the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom had fallen before this, but the southern kingdom of Judah and particularly the city of Jerusalem. And it was the very captivity that he had warned about, in his prophecies in the book of Jeremiah, which is a, really a collection of Jeremiah's prophecies, Jeremiah's sermons to the people of Israel saying, hey, change your ways or you're going to be paying a very big price. Right. And finally, after generation after generation of the children of Israel turning their backs on God, uh, turning to their idols, refusing to repent of their sin, finally God's day of judgment came. And we're talking this morning about God's mercy, about His compassion. But, folks, let me make the, the point, too, in, in, in passing here, that God does not uh, put up with us forever. I'm talking about our sin, our disobedience, even His own children. Some of you parents, many of you here are parents. You've raised kids or you have kids you're raising, and you know how it is. You say, look, I, I told you to stop that, and I want you to stop it. Amen? And you give them a warning, and then you warn them again. And then you warn them again. And then you warn them again. And finally, what happens? Eventually, they cross that point of no return, amen? And then the warnings stop and the judgment falls, amen? And so that's exactly what happened uh, here with Israel. And this is the beginning here of 70 years of being captives of the army of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and historically this is a known, it's it's proven well as secular history records it, the Babylonians came, they took the city, they took many of the Jews back to, the Israelites back to uh, Babylon, and it was a captivity of the children of Israel that lasted for 70 years. Now, it is in the midst of this dark day that Jeremiah is writing this book entitled Lamentations. He is lamenting the fact that this judgment had come. Though he had prophesied it, he still didn't like it. And he was still uh, mourning what had taken place. And look back up to verse number 1 of chapter 3. Verse number 1, look what he says here, Lamentations chapter 3 he says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Now, pause there for a minute. Jeremiah suffered personally both before and during the captivity. You know, folks, listen. When God judges a nation, everybody suffers. Right. Amen. Even God's people, even those who are doing right. right. Even those who are trying to do right. And that's why we need to be praying and living uh, a life that is pleasing to God so that we maintain, as uh, could be said, the salt uh, that will withhold God's hand of judgment. But uh, everybody suffers. Jeremiah suffered. And he says, I am the man that hath seen affliction. And so he suffered personally as a result Uh, Let me talk about some of the things that happened to Jeremiah. While he was preaching, warning the people of God's coming judgment, he was beaten and placed in the stocks and made a mockery of. He was threatened at one point with a death sentence. They wanted to kill him. His prophecies, he had a whole uh, set of prophecies that he had prophesied that the king took them and took them page by page, cut them out, the Bible says, with a penknife. The word penknife's in the Bible. Had his penknife there and cut them out and threw them in a fire page by page. His prophecies that God had given to him. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about a hard heart, amen? That's right. But he had seen that happen. He was thrown into a pit. Uh, in the uh, in the it, you could call it a dungeon. You could have called it a cistern. It was there was no way into it except through the hole in the top of it. He was thrown down into it. It was a mud hole, and he was left there literally uh, almost to die for days in this muddy pit. Why? Because he was preaching the truth, and people didn't like it. Right, what happened? Folks, now sometimes. Uh, a lot of times people don't want to hear the truth. You ever try to tell somebody something you know is just as true as true can be and they don't want to hear it. They want to believe the lies. They want to go and keep going in the direction they're going thinking that nothing bad's going to happen. But Jeremiah was punished. He had gone through some things uh, because some some very difficult things because he was doing Right And again, in a fallen world, doing right is not always rewarded. In Jeremiah's case, doing right can lead to persecution. And let me just say this this morning. In many places in the world today, Christians are being severely persecuted for their faith. I was reading a story on a website called Voices of the Martyrs and, uh, of a 14-year-old boy. This, was, this happened in 2008, but his mother was just giving recently the interview. But 2008, a boy living in Iraq had just received, but he has a, a family that identified as Christian. And uh, he had just received a new cell phone, and he, he took that cell phone and went across the street uh, to his friend's house. And when he was uh, going across the street, three men or several men pulled up in a car and uh, stopped him and asked him, are you a Christian? 14 years old, young people. Are you a Christian? He said, yes. They pulled out a gun and killed him on the spot. That was in 2008. His mother just giving this story about how she continues to miss her son. Every day they had to move because they were afraid. That's in Iraq. They were living in Iraq at the time. Folks, I'm telling you, you know, and sometimes young people, you know what? Let me ask you this, young people. Think about this. You who are 13, 14, 15 years old. Let me ask you a question. If that had been you, what would your answer have been? Are you a Christian? Now, in America, people may mock you for your Christianity, but I don't know of anybody whose life is being put at risk simply because they're identifying as a Christian. And folks, if we won't, let me tell you this, young people, if you will not stand for Christ in your public schools, and you will not stand and not be ashamed of the fact that you are a Christian when your friends want to do wrong and others around you are trying to get you to do wrong, say, no, I can't do that, I'm a Christian. If you're ashamed to say that, I promise you this, you would have never stood the test in Iraq today. You would have never stood the test in other countries today, Iran, China, other countries, North Korea, where Christians are literally severely being persecuted when they are trying to do right. So we've got this idea that if I do right, then everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. Now, I'm thankful when God blesses. And folks, let me tell you something, life here in America, because of our religious liberty, because we were founded as a Christian nation, and only because of that. Only because of our Christian heritage, we have liberties that we enjoy today that, that, that look, it is hunky-dory in America today. Right, right. Compared to what other Christians woke up to this morning right. around the world. And we can be thankful for that, and we ought to live out our faith here, and we ought to be that much more faithful because God has given us that opportunity. And by the way, it's not because of anything that we have done that we ended up being born in America and not in one of these countries where a dictator rules. I understand. America has a lot of problems, but I'm telling you this. It is the freest, best nation in the world in which to live. And I'll tell you this too. I'm not going into politics this morning much, but I'll tell you this. This move towards socialism is a move towards communism, and it doesn't work, and it will destroy this country if we go down that path. Right. Believe it doesn't work. It's been tried. They've tried it in this country, Jamestown, they tried it. Actually, in, when the pilgrims came, they tried it for the first few months. This idea that everything belongs to everybody, you know what happens is everybody quits working. The whole system collapses. It does not work. Bernie Sanders' plan has been proven by decades and, and, and thousands of years, if you want to go back. It doesn't work. Socialism doesn't work. Nothing against him, but I'm telling you, his plan doesn't work. Just study history. But we've been blessed. Thank God for it. Whether we can hang on to it or not, I don't know. But I'm saying this back to the message. Doing right, he still suffered. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to do right. and I'm still having problems. Yes, because we live in a fallen world. Right. Jeremiah suffered. Look at it. Verse number two. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. He's writing here about his problems. Surely against me is he turned, talking about God. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath built it against me, encompassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Skip down to verse 17. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. He said, man, I didn't, I didn't, it, it wasn't even a thought in my mind about prosperity. You know what he was trying to do? He was just trying to make it through every day. And you know what? Sometimes life comes, you know, our own situation. It may not be as bad as somebody else's, but, you know, our situation that we're dealing with, it's still bad for us when we're going through it. Amen. And sometimes we think, you know, I'm not trying to be prosperous. I just want to survive. Amen. I just want to be able to pay the bills for a month. And I said my strength is. And my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. So here Jeremiah is pouring out his heart and just saying, you know what? Uh, The country's been taken captive. Uh, The Babylonians have come. They've replaced our king with another king. They're controlling everything. We are suffering. We are hurting. Yet in the midst of all that trouble, we come to verse number 21. And as we have seen in other places in the Old Testament, it's like a lighthouse in the darkness in the middle of a storm. Right. Yeah. We're teaching in Teen Sunday School class, we're talking about Bible analogies and the fact the Bible compares Christians to being salt and light. And we're talking about light this morning, how a Christian is to be a light in the darkness. And this verse here uh, is a light in the darkness of Jeremiah's trouble and look what he says in verse number 21 he says this I recall to my mind therefore have I hope now folks I'm telling you what we've been reading has not been hopeful it's been a lot of trouble it's been a lot of hurt it's been a lot of pain but he says you know what in the midst of all that I recalled something therefore have I hope." Now, here's the point of the message this morning. Regardless of the trouble that you may be facing in life, regardless of the problems that at times may be on the verge of overwhelming us, regardless of the obstacles that will come along and block our path, as a child of God, every believer has good reason to have hope. Let's consider the passage verse by verse here. He says, this I recall to mind. Again, this is Jeremiah's trouble. In the midst of his trouble, he recalls a truth. I recall it to mind. And think about it. Hope is a state of mind. Which means what? It means that hopelessness is a result of a failure in our thinking. Hope isn't something you can touch and feel. It's just out there, I have hope. I have hope that things are going to get better. There may be no evidence here, but I just have some hope that things are going to... So hope is a state of mind. Hopelessness, on the other hand, is a state of mind as well. It's like there's no hope, there's no chance, there's no point, there's no reason. But what I'm telling you what, when you come to a place of hopelessness, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's a bad place to get to. But my point is, it is a state of mind. And Jeremiah writes, he says, this I recall to mind. He says, something came to my mind. He says, in the midst of all this trouble, something I needed to remember, something I needed to recall. And by the way, this is why an encouraging word to a person who is discouraged is so important. This is why as believers coming alongside another believer who's going through a difficult time and lifting them up and reaching out to them. And folks, can I tell you something? In a church family, there's always people who, just like our own personal families, there's always somebody who's having trouble. You know, it's a blessed day when you wake up and you can't think of anybody who's close to you that's having a big problem. You know, you go over and you mark that day on the calendar because there's not going to be, the older you get, there's not going to be that many of those. And the same thing's true in a church family, and even among us here today, there are those in this room today who have lost close loved ones, who've passed on in the last month, two months, gone through big problems, maybe big health troubles, big health scares, different issues going on, and other heartaches and heartbreaks that I'll promise you that I don't even know about as a pastor have been experienced by people in this room, undoubtedly. That's why it's so important that we be an encouragement and try to uplift folks to try to help them in their trial, in their trouble that we may not even know they are going through, that we can help them to recall a very important truth that Jeremiah is going to identify here for us. Look what he says. Here's the truth he's recalling. The truth that's giving him hope. Look at verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. So first of all, he recalls that if it were not for the mercy of God, he would have been consumed. Now that word consumed means to be completely destroyed. And let's face it, the devil wants to consume us. He wants to consume our thoughts. He wants to discourage us. He wants us to come to a place of hopelessness. But he wants to consume our lives if we let him. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, devour. That, that sounds like a consuming word. He wants to devour us. In Jeremiah's case, he wanted to consume him with persecution. But in our case, maybe he wants to consume us with temptation. I'm telling you what, the old devil paints up sin to make it look real pretty. Boy, young people, he says, hey, come over here. This is where the fun is. It's where the, the, uh, the, the music is. It's where the drugs are. It's where the partying is. It's where all of the illicit sex is. That's what you want. You know what he's doing? He's laying a trap for you. What he wants to do is consume you. It could be temptation. It could be, and by the way, it's not just young people who get tempted. It's older people, it's middle-aged people who can get tempted. Middle-aged people, you know what? Those of us out working in the world and out around, you know what? The devil wants to consume us. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to try to convince us, I owe it to myself, to take this little fling sexually. God help us, amen. He wants to destroy us. Got to be on our guard all the time. He makes, everything, he makes everything on the other side of the fence look like it's so wonderful. He wants to consume us with temptation or discouragement or troubles or heartbreak. He wants to overwhelm our body, soul, and spirit. But because of God's mercy, Jeremiah writes, we don't have to be consumed. Because of his mercy. In fact, Peter continues on telling us to resist Satan. And telling us that God will use the trouble to make us, to establish us, to strengthen us, to settle us. You know, a lot of times God brings trouble in our lives to make us better, to purify us, to help us to see our weaknesses, our our areas of need and where we need to improve. And you know what, sometimes when we go into that fiery furnace, you could say, of trial or temptation, you know what we ought to say is, Lord, rather than me sitting here complaining about this, I ought to be saying, Lord, show me how you want to make me stronger and better and better able to serve you and bring you glory. Peter understood the very same thing that Jeremiah understood, that God in heaven, by his mercy, wants to come to the rescue of his children. Look back again, verse 22 of Lamentations 3, is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. So where does this mercy come from? This is very important for us to recall. It's very important for us to remember. It comes from God's compassions. You know what that means? It means God loves us. It means God loves you, and because of His love for you, His compassion for us, not only did He provide us with salvation, but as believers, He is there for us. Pastor, I don't have anybody in the world. Yes, you do if you're a believer. You've got a heavenly Father. He has compassion on you. He's making His mercy available to you so that you will not be consumed, so that you can have hope. Here is the important thing for us to remember as we make our way through this fallen world. And that is this, if it were not for the love of God, there would be no hope. But because of the love of God, there is always hope. Folks, I'm telling you, I wish if we would just look back in our own lives, we see this. We go through these times when it looks like the, the sun will never come up again, like the day will never dawn, like night will never end. But then it does. And things come back around and things improve and things get better. But you know what happens? Then comes another trial. Then comes another trouble. But God help us to look back and to say, you know what? I recall the last time God brought me through this. And I didn't know how he was going to do it. And I didn't know how God was going to make it happen. But he's done it before. I believe he can do it again. In its most basic and greatest manifestation, it was because of God's love for mankind that He devised a plan of salvation whereby He could extend mercy to anyone who will receive it. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you've never placed your faith in Jesus alone, not the church, not your works, not anybody else on this earth, but placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, that is the mercy God has extended to you. And by the way, that's the only mercy that will save a soul from hell. And if you've never received that, then you need to do so today. For God so loved the world, the Bible says He gave His only begotten Son. It was the love of God that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the point I want to make beyond that even this morning is this, the mercy of God that he has extended to the believer extends far beyond our salvation. Look at verse number 23. They are new, Lamentations 3.23, talking about the mercies of God. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now follow me this morning. If the prophet Jeremiah could find hope in his desperate situation, then you and I can find hope in our situation. You know, if asked, I presume that every one of us here could come up with a long list of grievances. Anybody here, if you had a chance, you say, you know what? I've got a few grievances, amen? I've got some things that I'm not happy about. Pastor, you may not believe this, but things, there's some things in my life that are not what I hoped they would be. There are some things that have not worked out like I thought they would. There are some times and some ways I have been offended by others. There are some disappointments in my life. There are some heartaches and heartbreaks. There are some aches and some pains and some illnesses. But folks, here's the truth. Despite all of that, and all of that is true, I'm not contesting any of that this morning. In fact, I would contest if you told me you didn't have a long list of grievances. If every neighbor you ever had just was, was the perfect neighbor, and every boss and every company you ever worked for treated you with res- total respect and, 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 and did everything just like you thought it should be. And every school teacher gave you exactly the grade that you thought you had earned. And every parent told you exactly what you wanted to hear every time you wanted to hear something. And every brother and sister had always treated you kindly. And if every other believer in the world, and not all that ever since you've been saved, not one believer had ever said or done anything to you that ever offended you in any way, shape, or form, including the pastor, if you were to tell me that this morning, I would tell you, you have lost your mind. Amen. (laughs) It ain't happened like that. Folks, that's heaven. And this, just for your information, is not heaven. Heaven yet. We have a long list of grievances. But here's the truth Jeremiah had a long list of grievances. But he came to this conclusion. And we can come to the same conclusion too that if we are looking for them, we could have discovered some new mercies of God this morning. They are new every morning. Right. You know what that means? That means on February 23rd, 2020, there were some new mercies of God amen. this morning. Right. Now, there's one obvious one, and that is 50 degrees outside. <laughs> amen. Right. That is it. And the sun shining, not pouring down rain at 50 degrees. But that's tomorrow. Amen. But look, folks, there are, Jeremiah says, there are new mercies every morning. Folks, I'm saying this, had we looked for it, and maybe you didn't, if you did, thank God for it. But I'm saying this is true. If you had looked for it, you could have found some new reasons to be thankful this morning. You could have found some new reason to rejoice today. You could have discovered some new reasons to be hopeful. His mercies are new every morning because of God's mercy, which is precipitated by his compassion, his love. The dawning, here's the point, the dawning of every day brings new reasons to have hope. Right. Say, Pastor, I'm hopeless. The situation's hopeless. This is hopeless this morning. This problem's hopeless. I can't fix this. Look, I'm not going to argue about those things. I'm not going to tell you that there aren't some things that are not right in your life and some problems that you don't have the answers to. But I'm telling you this. I will tell you this. There is some reason to have hope this morning. There are some good things you could have found. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you woke up and thanked God for the gift of life? You know what? If you woke up this morning... You have something to thank God for. When's the last time you thank God for giving you another day? When's the last time you woke up and thank God for being there for you? Look at Jeremiah verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. That word portion literally means inheritance. Folks, if we don't have anything else in life to be thankful for, and all of us do... But we can wake up every morning and be thankful that God is our inheritance. That I am part of the family of God. That I have a heavenly father who loved me enough to send his son to die for me so that I can know for certain that no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Man, that's something to be thankful for. That's something to smile about. That's something to be glad about. The Lord is my portion. As I said earlier, no believer can accurately say I don't have anyone. You know isn't that what the devil always tries to tell us? Nobody cares about me. Now, that's, that's true for me sometimes, amen. I try to get my wife to feel sorry for me. How many of you fellows, you know, every once in a while you want your wife? Wives, listen, let me just tell you something. You, want, you need to feel sorry for us once in a while, amen. Just once in a while. I mean, we have it tough. Amen. And all the ladies are thinking, you have it tough. We're married to you, you know. But you know what? We all, men, women, wives, husbands, children, we all like to have somebody feel sorry for us. And we all like to say nobody cares. But God help us, that's not true. That's not true. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you're coming to the end of the line and you say, you know what, I'm thinking about taking my own life and God help us. We have a lot of people who make that very bad choice to take their own life in this society we live in today. You know why? Because we have moved away from God and people don't have the light of the truth of the gospel like we used to in society. And, 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 but people have always taken their own lives. But it seems to be even more prevalent now. But let me tell you something, don't believe the lie that nobody cares about you. Teenagers, listen to me, we love you here. And I've done funerals over the years, and I've said this before, I've done funerals for those who have made that wrong choice. And by the way, it is a choice. And by the way, if anybody had known the person was going to make that choice, they would have intervened to stop it, amen? But they've made that choice. Nobody cares. And then I go and I do their funerals and people line up long lines to come by and pay their condolences. People come to the funerals and pack out the funeral house. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, nobody cared. They stopped their whole day, their whole schedule to come to your funeral. But you died thinking nobody cared. What is my point? My point is that is not true. That is a lie. Of the devil. Don't believe it. If you need help, get help. All you got to do is say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Or find a Sunday school teacher. Find a new ladies. uh, Go to my wife. Talk to her. But there is help available. And by the way, you know what? It's not just people who have obvious troubles that make that wrong choice. So I would be foolish just to assume that because I think everybody in here is doing okay, I don't know who's doing okay and who's not in here. Amen. Amen. We don't. So That's right. That's we need to pray for each other. But I'm telling you this. Don't let you know what? Don't let your pride get in front of you getting help if you need help. Right. Folks, you know, it's an amazing thing. People get sick, physically sick, and they go out here to the doctor. They go to the hospital. They go to the emergency room. And nobody says to them, man, I just can't. Why would you go? I can't believe that you've got a physical illness. That is just, man, that is just. Unbelievable. Nobody says that. We're Like, man, if you're sick, you need to get out there. But you know what? When it comes to things going on in our minds, sometimes, we're like, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know I have problems. Folks, we all have problems. <laughs> We've all got troubles. We all go through times of, of not some worse than others, but we all go through times where we need some help. And sometimes you need to reach out and don't be too proud to get help. Verse 25, the Lord is good. We'll finish up here. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Notice what he says here. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Listen carefully. Patience and perseverance coupled with righteous living are are the key to securing the best life that God has for you. Perseverance, sticking with it. Folks, if you're going to get to the light at the end of the tunnel, you have to keep moving through the tunnel. You can't stop and look the other way. You've got to keep moving towards that light. And folks, with that in mind, we have to wake up every morning, regardless of what's going on around us, and look for God's new mercies. That was a strategy of Jeremiah here in his sad predicament. And if you study out the life of Jeremiah for all its trouble and pain, there were also days of great blessing. God delivered him from the dungeon. Bible says God sent 30 men to pull him out of that dungeon before he died. When the Babylonians finally overthrew Jerusalem, Jeremiah was was allowed to remain. They came, took the city. Jeremiah was allowed to be free and do as he wanted in the city. So Jeremiah had troubles, but you know what? He had some good days. He had good things that happened to him. He didn't have an easy life, but he learned that every morning, if he looked for him, he could find the new mercies of God. By the way, I think that's how Job made it through his trial. The strategy of Joseph as a slave for 17 years in Egypt. You know what I think it was? His mercies are new every morning. You know what? I'm going to find the good thing. I'm going to find the positive thing. I'm going to find the good, the the blessing of God that he has given me this day. And there is something there. They're new every morning. The strategy of Daniel as a captive in Babylon. The strategy of Moses for 40 years in the wilderness. The strategy of David fleeing from King Saul for seven years. And it's a strategy that works of looking for the mercies of God, the new mercies of God every day. It's a strategy that works because it is a strategy that is based on the eternal truth that God's mercies are indeed new every morning. And folks, they can be little things. A few weeks ago, I walked out here in the snow and fell and landed on my shoulder. Thought I broke my shoulder. My wife thought I was faking it, amen, but I wasn't faking it. Brother John, he definitely thought I was faking it. They just think I want attention. They didn't see it. I mean, I I went out. It just snowed like an inch at one Thursday night and I went out and I said to myself, I had to go to the parking lot over here the other side to get my truck. And I said, you know, I'm not going to go down the sidewalk because I know that sidewalk has ice on it out here in the front. I said, I'm going to go to the street. I'm going to walk down the street. Man, I got to that little ramp, just that little, that little incline out here. I don't, know, I don't know what happened. One minute I was walking, the next minute I was like in the air. And a split second after that, I was landing on my shoulder right here, full. Oh, man. And that, in turn, threw my back out. Amen. And so that got better over A long period of time through which I went through a tremendous amount of suffering. Quietly and without complaining about it. Amen. I'm sure. (laughs) But in my back, so all this week, last couple weeks, I've been, but you know what? This morning I woke up and I don't have to wear my back brace and my back's not hurting this morning. Amen. That's God's new mercy for today. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I'm not in pain. Folks, little things. That's all my point is. You've got something. You have something to be thankful about. There's a new mercy in your life today, whether you saw it or not. They're new every morning. And you know what? When you're going through the dark days, you're going through the troublesome days, you're going through the heartaches, you're going through the things where you don't know how it's going to end up, and, Lord, I've been praying for this and praying for this for months and years or however long, and it doesn't ever seem to work out. You know what? In the short run, look for that new mercy. Look for the good thing. Look, we need to understand it's never going to be a perfect life. It's never going to be a perfect life. And by the way, no one else has the perfect life either. The people you see on Facebook and the people you see on Instagram and the people you see that are so successful, they got a whole list of trouble just like you do. I saw some story about some lady who got in with some company and was one of these marketing companies and, and she, you know, excelled and everything went good and she's selling the product that they have and she's making money hand over fist. And then she writes this story how she, then she wins a cruise and she's sitting on this cruise in the middle of true story is supposedly sitting on this cruise somewhere out on a cruise ship somewhere. And she says, I cried myself to sleep every night. I was so miserable. Folks, whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy, it might. It, I'm not saying it won't bring some joy, but it's got it. All, it's got its whole set of problems too. We're living in a sin-cursed world, so quit wishing you were somewhere else, living some, living somewhere else, doing something else. Say, well, I wish I had their life. No, you don't. I wish I lived over there. No, they got trouble too. I wish I had their job. I wish I was doing that. No, it's got its problems. Quit wishing for all that and embrace the mercies that God has custom made for you and for me. Don't be guilty of missing the mercies of God. Don't be guilty of going through life and never laying claim to your inheritance as a believer. Don't be guilty of living as those who have no hope. Look for his mercies. They are new every morning. Let's have heads bowed, eyes closed.